The New Testament reading is taken from Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 to 22. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. Thanks, Pravin. Well, good morning, everyone. It's a real joy to be with you this morning. Uh, Let's pray before we have a think about this uh, amazing passage. Father God, thank you that our faith does not rest on ourselves, but on you and your greatness. As we look at this passage today uh, and this whole series in Hebrews 11, please teach us to walk by faith. Help us to throw off everything that hinders us in that and to fix our eyes on Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, if the punch uh, from last week's sermon uh, that we looked at in Hebrews 11 with Ken uh, was uh, that we need to step out in faith and um, trust God for whatever he is calling us to, uh, then you could say that this week is like round two in the boxing ring, I'm afraid, uh, where the stakes are up even higher. Maybe last week uh, you were amazed at Abraham's faith, uh, the way he was willing to uh, go Uh, even when he didn't know where he was even going to. But if you thought that showed great faith, it's completely overshadowed by what we see this week, isn't it? To understand the story fully, uh, we need to know the backstory or at least be reminded of it. Abraham and Sarah are getting old uh, and sadly they've not been able to have children. But in their old age, uh, God appears to them And he tells them that Sarah is going to have a child at age 90. Uh, Now that idea was as ridiculous to them as it seems to us and we're told that they fell about laughing incredulously. But God is faithful and Sarah does go on to miraculously uh, have a child. And this time uh, their laughing isn't incredulous, it's joyful. They're overwhelmed with joy, they're over the moon uh, as you would be at their new child. Uh, And they call the child... Isaac, meaning one who laughs or one who rejoices. And not only has God given them this treasured son, this miraculous son, uh, but he tells them that through Isaac uh, and through Isaac's offspring, he is going to bless the whole world. So as Abraham uh, holds baby Isaac in his arms, uh, he's holding his uh, precious long-awaited son, Uh, And you could also say that he is holding the hope of the world at that point in time. So look after him. Uh, Don't drop the baby. And so imagine what it must have been like when God later says this. 
take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. It's shocking, isn't it? Uh, Even offensive the first time that we read it. Uh, But even more so so when we, we know the backstory of what's happened. But in a way, the most shocking thing is actually what happens next because Abraham actually listens to God. You see, the first thing that we see here is that faith trusts God in outrageous obedience. If it was me, I'd be frantically arguing with God. Uh, at the very least, I'd be uh, trying to delay it as long as possible. Like, God, surely you can at, at least just give us a, a week holiday to enjoy as a family if this really has to happen, to enjoy one another's company before this. But we don't get the sense that Abraham argued. He doesn't procrastinate. In fact, we're actually told that he gets up early the next morning, gets his donkey ready, cuts the wood for the fire, He travels for a full two days and then he walks up the mountain with his son and he builds the altar. Imagine what it must have felt like for Abraham, especially when Isaac turns to him and says, Dad, we've got the the wood and the fire, uh, but where's the, the lamb for the sacrifice? But Abraham obeys. Uh, He takes the knife and he's just about to bring it down on his son And God stops him. And he provides a ram in a bush to take Isaac's place. It's outrageous obedience, isn't it? It feels wrong. How could Abraham do something like that? How did he walk up that hill? Well, here's the answer that Hebrews chapter 11 gives us. Have a look at verse 17 with me. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. Verse 19, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. Tells us that Abraham considered. Uh, That word in the original language, Greek, uh, means to calculate or compute. You see, Abraham didn't just step out blindly in faith. We're told that he thought logically, and he knew God, and he knew that God is good. He knew that God keeps his promises, uh, such as the promise that Isaac would be a great blessing to the world, and he believed God. Even when there seemed no hope of um, Abraham and Sarah having a child, uh, God had brought life from nothing. And now Abraham reasoned that he could trust God to bring life, even from death. He trusted that God had a plan. And the only explanation that he could see was that God was going to bring Isaac back to life. Uh, We're not just told that here in Hebrews. We actually see hints of that uh, back in Genesis as well. Uh, What incredible faith. It's really struck me as I've prepared this sermon over the past week, uh, how much Abraham really knows God. Uh, His his stepping out of faith is based on his knowledge of God. Uh, He knows God's greatness, he trusts him, he trusts his promises, and he's able to entrust his son to him. He walks by faith, and he trusts God in outrageous obedience. 
But could we ever be like Abraham? I wonder if you've been asking yourself that question as we've looked at this passage. Uh, It seems so far beyond us, doesn't it? And yet, Abraham didn't have the chance to see what all this was pointing to, like we do. You see, we're told that Abraham named that place, that mountain, the Lord will provide. And it was on that very mountain, centuries later, that God provided the ultimate sacrifice. Now, God stopped Abraham. He didn't make him go through with it. Uh, But one dark Friday, the beloved son of the father, Jesus, walked willingly up that hill and he was slain to save and to bless the world. The story of Isaac, which seems so scandalous and so shocking, doesn't it, Uh, is actually an incredible testimony to Christ and to the amazing love of our Heavenly Father. In fact, uh, the whole Bible is a testimony to that. Uh, It points us to Jesus and it says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we see on the cross that we can trust God, even in all the ups and downs of life. Uh, God can bring life from death, uh, both in terms of bringing Jesus back to life uh, and in terms of bringing us from eternal death to eternal life with him. Uh, And if he was willing to do that for us, uh, then we can trust his commands like Abraham and we can trust him when he calls us to obey or to go. Maybe you heard uh, Ken's call last week for some of us to go over to St. Oswald's in the east end of Newcastle uh, to work with Ben Cadu Hudson there. Uh, They really need some younger families. Uh, But you thought, uh, what about uh, all my friends here? Or what about the kids groups here? Uh, And I totally understand that. Uh, But sometimes God calls us to sacrificial obedience and he calls us to trust him for the future. Uh, maybe you need to pray and ask God uh, whether that's what he's calling you to at this time. Or maybe you've been challenged by what we've looked at uh, in the generosity project in our midweek groups. That's been so helpful uh, and yet so challenging, hasn't it? Uh, You've been challenged uh, to be more generous with your time or your resources or your money. Uh, And doing that feels costly. Uh, Or we worry about the future implications on our finances. But God is calling us to live by faith, uh, to trust him, uh, and he's calling us to obedience. Uh, Or maybe obedience for you means uh, taking a risk at work, uh, being willing to uh, speak of the gospel to someone, uh, or uh, not joining in with something that wouldn't please God. Uh, Or maybe stepping out in faith means uh, being willing to live in this Uh, local area so you can invest in this area even when it's maybe not the most obvious location choice for you Uh, we know that's not the right thing for everybody uh, but we do need people to invest in this local area in Benwell and um, we're struggling for local leaders Uh, so would you consider moving here uh, and being on mission in Benwell in this local area all these decisions have potential costs don't they Uh, that might weigh on us, Uh, but we're called to trust God uh, and his promises uh, and to have gospel priorities uh, right through our lives, right to the end of our lives. Uh, And that's what we see in the next part of this passage, uh, which shows shows us that faith looks to finish well 
and to bless future generations. Back in the 2006 Turin Winter Olympics, uh, Lindsay Jacobellis made possibly the worst blunder uh, in Olympic history. Uh, she had a comfortable lead in the snowboard cross final. Uh, she was on the home straight, uh, straight run in, one last jump, and she decided to pull a little trick on the last jump, grab her snowboard, and she fell over and had to watch a, a Swiss snowboarder glide past her and take the gold medal uh, in the Winter Olympics. She didn't finish well. But in these next verses, we're given three examples uh, of people who did finish well. Uh, they finished life well. We see Isaac here, fully grown up. Thankfully, he's made it to that point. And, uh, uh, and he's had children himself. Uh, and so have a look at verse 20 with me. We read this. Uh, By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. What's all that about? It tells us that at the end of life, uh, Isaac had faith. He knew that God would keep his promise to his descendants. Uh, and so his big prayer was that his sons would benefit from that blessing. He asked for those future blessings on his children. We're also told that Jacob, uh, Isaac's son, uh, Abraham's uh, grandson, also continued in the faith. He's leaning on his staff in old age. Uh, he's dying. Uh, but at the end... He believed God's promise and he blesses his grandsons before he dies. And the passage also points us to Joseph, Abraham's great-grandson, who died trusting God's promises too. All of them by faith looked to finish well and to bless future generations. They died trusting God and they had godly priorities at the end of life. Now, we know from the book of Genesis that Isaac uh, certainly wasn't always godly during his life, uh, like every one of us. But at the end of his life, he had faith. You see, Isaac and Jacob remind us that however much we've messed up, uh, however sinful we've been, uh, it's never too late to finish well uh, and to be a blessing to our children and our grandchildren uh, or to children of others or maybe our godchildren if we're godparents uh, by praying gospel priorities for them. What are you praying for your children uh, or your grandchildren uh, or for the children in this church family uh, or for your godchildren? What's your greatest hope for them? Uh, is it that they would know God's blessing, uh, not in a material way, but that they would know Jesus, uh, know that he walked up that hill for them? And are you praying that they would walk by faith it's challenging, isn't it? Because we so easily slip into praying worldly priorities for our children. Uh, maybe that they would get into a good university or uh, that um, they would be kept from suffering or that they would find a good spouse. Uh, and all of those things aren't, aren't wrong things to pray. But will we pray with gospel priorities? Uh, will we pray that they would have uh, amazing gospel opportunities in life? Uh, are we willing to pray that they would have the sort of faith that leads to outrageous obedience like Abraham? Uh, maybe even giving up a promising career to go on mission. Or that they would stand firm in difficult situations in whatever career God has called them to and point people to Jesus. And if we're parents, will we make it a priority to disciple our children? 
No child is saved by godly parenting, only by the grace of God. But by the grace of God, uh, children who see their parents' convictions in their actions do seem to trust Jesus more often. Richard Cokin, a pioneering minister in London, writes this, my parents weren't perfect, but what I and my siblings most value about them is that they prayed for us nearly every night and struggled with us at evening meals to read the Bible and to pray together. The most precious thing they gave us was the gospel and their prayers, the most valuable inheritance that we could receive. Uh, And if you're gray-haired and in your later years, I'm trying to put this as politely as possible, let me say that uh, seeing the older generations uh, grow old faithfully is such an encouragement to the younger generations. Uh, I'm so encouraged by folks in our church family uh, who have gospel priorities uh, in retirement or when they get old. Uh, Like Mohammed Farsi, who you might know, who's serving the... um, the Iranians, the, the Farsi speakers in our church family, week in, week out, um, and translating the sermon into Farsi every single week. Or the older folks in our church who, who can't actually make it out, but who are the real prayer warriors in our church family. I could name lots of others uh, as well. Faith looks to finish well and to bless future generations. But maybe uh, as we've thought about some of these areas uh, where we're called to sacrificial obedience, uh, or as we've looked at Abraham's amazing faith, uh, we've just thought, I couldn't do that. I couldn't step out in faith like that. Uh, Or maybe we're thinking, how do you develop faith like Abraham? Uh, That's certainly been on my mind uh, as I've prepared this week. Uh, How do you get to the point where you can trust God that much? It feels like a long way off for me. But here's what we need to see, and it's such an encouragement. Uh, Abraham's faith did not begin uh, with what we see today in this passage. Uh, This is the fruit of faith over decades. And faith starts with one small step. Faith is learnt in uh, all the ups and downs of life. You see, if we read Abraham's life story in the book of Genesis, Uh, you'll see that in many ways he's just like us. Uh, He fails God. He lies to save his own skin. Uh, He struggles to trust God. He struggles to trust that God's going to provide this air for him and he takes things into his own hands. Uh, But in all those ups and downs of life, Abraham grew in faith. And in the end, as we've seen, uh, he's capable of incredible faith. Not because of anything in himself, But because in stepping out in faith, uh, one step at a time, uh, he's got to know God. And he's learned that God can be trusted and his promises are sure. Uh, It's when we step out in faith uh, that we have the opportunity to grow in faith uh, by the Spirit. Uh, And that's difficult. It, It takes faith, doesn't it? But faith that never doubts or struggles uh, won't grow because it's never exercised. The author and pastor, uh, Kent Hughes, writes this, the road to strong faith is never smooth. Faith will be tested. Inevitably, there will be times of uncertainty and doubt and even despair. But the soul that clings to God will experience growth and notable triumphs of faith. So what's the first step 
in faith for you. Uh, or maybe the next step in faith. Uh, maybe the first step is simply uh, starting to pray for the first time. Maybe it's uh, being open with others about your faith for the first time. Uh, or maybe you're further along in your walk with Jesus. Uh, I don't know what the next step is for each one of you guys. Uh, but what's God been saying to you recently in, in the sermons over the past few weeks? Uh, or what's he been saying to you uh, in midweek groups or in your personal Bible study time? Maybe there's something that you've uh, held back from uh, and you know that God's speaking to you about it. Uh, and maybe you need to step out in faith. Maybe now's the time. Take that step uh, and in the next 10, 20, 30 years, uh, I'm praying that all of us will have experienced God's promises in such a way that we can take even bigger steps, uh, both individually uh, and as a church family together. I'll never forget uh, Peter Halbrook, uh, a member of our church family who died uh, three years ago after a struggle with cancer, uh, quietly confident uh, in God's promises and always thinking of others. And his favorite phrase uh, was, God's in control. Uh, God's in control. Uh, we can trust him and step out in faith. Uh, and we, when we think that things seem uh, too outrageous, uh, too costly to step out in faith, uh, we need to remember, like Abraham did, uh, as he walked up that hill, uh, that God brings life from death. Uh, and the call of God is to sacrificial obedience, even if uh, it's obedience that looks outrageous uh, to the world around us, because we follow the one who made the most outrageous sacrifice of all, uh, the father who was willing to give up his beloved son for us, and the son who willingly walked up that hill to be slain. It's the truth that towers above every other truth. Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Well, let's take a couple of minutes uh, to just pray on our own. Why not give thanks uh, for Jesus' sacrifice? Why not pray about uh, what that next step of faith is for you? Uh, and then we're going to sing a song that's a prayer that we would do that.